Hello and welcome to UK Life Abroad. Since our last episode, Ukraine celebrated its 29th Independence Day on August 24th. To show their support, countries around the world lit up their famous landmarks in Ukrainian colours blue and yellow. As plans are made to open up an Irish embassy in Ukraine, we look at how Ukraine and Ireland are more similar than you might think, despite them being on opposite sides of Europe. This and more on Zakatlanyu Ukrainsi, the podcast for all things Ukrainian. Our first topic today is Ukraine's Wikipedia drive. So this stems from their recent successes of the Kiev Not Kiev campaign, which was also launched along with the Odessa Not Odessa and Lviv Not Lvov campaigns, all which aim to correct the mispronunciation and spelling of Ukrainian cities and uh, proved to be quite successful in 2019, where most major airports could change their spelling of Kiev to K-Y-I-V instead of the Russian spelling of K-I-E-V. Um, and this whole new campaign is with Ukraine's Ministry of Foreign Affairs partnering with the NGO Wikimedia Ukraine to counter disinformation about Ukraine on Wikipedia. Uh, why Wikipedia? Why do you guys reckon? A lot of people go there, just a lot of general people. It's a trusted site. <laughs> <laughs> As most teachers would say. Oh, yeah, no, right. Um, yeah, so you're correct there. So um, their argument is, is that Wikipedia has become the default media information source for the general public. And if you don't counter disinformation on Wikipedia, um, most people will then have, uh, can then quite easily be influenced because most general people see wikipedia as a trusted source of information even though academia doesn't and even if you just go to the site well, i'm sorry not the site even if you just go to google usually the first block of information it gives you just even if wikipedia. it's yeah but even if it's like you don't have to click on wikipedia google will just put up like a, oh yeah on the corner of the yeah, screen yeah it'll put up a brief thing like if you look look at like a, an actor or someone it'll always be like the information that it has will always come from wikipedia so if you're looking for the name of a place yeah it's going to give you whatever spelling is from wikipedia yeah and so like they're partnering with uh ukraine's main wikipedia editors and they're going to edit all the different pages about ukraine in most major languages so that they can filter out Russian disinformation and also fill out those pages so people have a more concrete view of what Ukraine is and what it stands for. And I think that's quite a positive initiative. Now, I've got some fun facts here about Ukrainian Wikipedia. (laughs) So how big do you think the Ukrainian version of Wikipedia is in the world? I know it's quite a lot and uh, it's like, I know it's in like the millions or whatever, I'm pretty sure. No, no, but like in a ranked version. So English being the biggest Wikipedia, how big do you think Ukrainian is? Isn't it like 10 foot hour? Not that high, but you're close. So probably like 15. Close, 17. So Ukrainian is the 17th largest Wikipedia version. And um, when do you think the first article was written? Oh, well, like early 2000s. Yeah. Any guesses, like particularly? Like it's pre-2005. 2001. 2004? Yes. Yes. 2004. So January 30th was when the first Ukrainian Wikipedia article was ever written. What was it about? Do you know? I don't know. (laughs) But um, that's what the stats have. And as of May 2020, there were over 1,029,000 articles on Ukrainian Wikipedia. Oh, so I'm not wrong anyway. It's in the millions anyway. Yeah, I'm sure it would be for but anything. Like, is that a lot? How does that rank with English Wikipedia? 
Or them? Oh, like English Wikipedia is huge, okay. but like we're seventeenth, so that's not that bad. Okay. Um, so like when you like look, and Ukrainian is not even like a major language. Like when you look at any article, most of the time you have Ukrainian, like as an but, option. Yeah, like most of the stuff when I was at school, uh, just looking at Wikipedia, like one of the options would always be Ukrainian. Like sometimes they'd be Russian, but not always. Uh, Ukraine was more common. I'm pretty sure what I saw. Yeah. But is that um, translated by people that are actually Ukrainian or is it like Google Translate? No, no, it's like actual Ukrainians that write it. Oh, you'd hope so. <laughs> um, just make so, your own things on Wikipedia. What do you mean? Well, you have to be accredited. Oh, yeah, to be accredited. Okay, yeah, so you cool. can edit it, but it's not approved until one of the Wikipedia Editors. like moderators approves your edit. Mm. So there's a decent amount. So Ukrainian Wikipedia, another daily stat, is they get 2.5 million visitors per day onto the site. So that's a pretty solid amount of people visiting for information. Um, now, guess what the most covered topic is on Ukrainian Wikipedia? Like in broad terms, like what do you think the most covered? To- Soccer. No. Nah. Oh wow, that's a good guess. Actually. Nah. Why would? <laughs> I don't know. It's one thing. <laughs> um, like, let's go big ideas kind of thing. So, like history. Like yeah, history, <laughs> engineering, something like that. Like, what do you think? I want to say history. Are you looking for a specific part of history? No, nah, it's not history. Isn't that engineering? You're getting warmer. Isn't that, oh, it's some bridge, isn't it? No, it's or not st- a bridge. Why would it be a bridge? I don't know. I thought it was. So, mining is the most covered oh. topic on Ukrainian Wikipedia, and that is because of Volodymyr Bielitsky from Donetsk National Technical University, who used his encyclopedia on mining as the basis for all his articles. Man, that so, guy's interested in mining. <laughs> Lots of self-promotion going on here. Um, and um, whilst Wikipedia tries to stay politically neutral, um, during the Yevromaidan, from 4 p.m. to 4.30 p.m., Ukrainian Wikipedia would shut down in protest of the Yanukovych's regime's dictatorship laws against the protesters. So even even Wikipedia was involved in Yevromaidan, which I think is quite cool. Cool. Yeah, so I think I think that's um, Ukrainian. Like Ukrainian Wikipedia is quite interesting, and I think it's a good initiative from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs to improve Ukraine's image on one of the world's most used information websites. See, you don't really um, see that like Wikipedia is like a big influential thing. Like, sure, you use it everywhere, but you don't really think about it like that. Though, you kind of think of it more of it like a like it's meant to be an encyclopedia, encyclopedia, rather than being like used in other ways yeah and it's like for once ukraine is taking the strategic initiative of you know let's edit a multi like a platform that's used around the world and advertise ourselves like you know correctly but that just goes to show how important wikipedia is like if people don't think that it's important and they just take the information there without even thinking about it like you could like it's so powerful that what you put on there has to be right and has to be factual yeah it's like the default source that you go to and I think you, uh, Nathan has an update on another foreign affairs thing that's happening in Ukraine. Yes, Alexa. So um, this is a, I want to say a bit of an odd one because this isn't a country I normally associated with, um, you know, having ties to Ukraine. But Ireland is actually going to open a embassy in Ukraine by the end of 2020, um, is what they've said. So this was discussed recently during a phone conversation with the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine, Dimitro Kulaba. Kulaba, yep. And the Minister for Foreign Affairs and Trade of Ireland, Simon Colvaney. Let's go with that. 
Yeah, they recently had this conversation over the phone and um, they were discussing that it was time for Ireland to open up an embassy in Ukraine and the minister was quoted as saying, we also expect the arrival of an Irish business mission in Ukraine by the end of the year. We need to quickly and efficiently develop trade and attract Irish investment in Ukraine. So the situation, I'll give you a bit of background. The situation today is that um, Ukraine has an embassy in Dublin. Um, however, Ireland has a uh, honorary consulate in Kiev, but it's run through the embassy in Prague. So there isn't any major, major um, representation of Ireland in Ukraine. Um, there's actually 3,000, over 3,000, 3,343 um, Ukrainians that. living in Ireland, which I didn't think, I thought that number yeah, was quite high. Yeah, it's not a country that would jump to mind as, you know, somewhere where Ukrainians would settle, but then again, Europe is a small place. So yeah, there's probably true. bound to be Ukrainians everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So... Um, Obviously, like they said, they were. This is largely to do with business ties, and I think that's most likely a way of helping Ukraine in their war effort, bringing more money into the country, so they can fight off, I'd say, you know, these territorial issues that they're having currently, to put it lightly. But that takes us back into the history of Ireland and Ukraine. And Ireland actually recognized um, Ukraine as an independent country in 1991. And they established diplomatic... A, a I think dip you were saying that it was like one of the first ones. I think it was it? one of the first ones, yes, to do it. Um, and they established diplomatic relations on the 1st of April 1992. The resident embassy uh, of Ukraine in Ireland started in August 2003. And since 2000, Ireland's honorary consulate has been functioning in Ukraine. So they've been there, what's that now, 20 years, roughly. I was looking into uh, why this is, why is um, Ireland so connected to Ukraine? And then it made me think that they are almost two identical versions of each other. So I found an article in the... Are you talking about like in like terms of being part of the like United State in a sense? Um, I'll like give you the name of this article that I found, and it said Ukraine is the island of the Russian Empire. Juliana's nodding. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, this article is very good, um, and it was discussing the similarities. So, in Ireland, the Gaelic language nearly became extinct and was replaced with English, and in more recent years, the Irish government has been trying to uh, uh, say rebuild um, that connection, which is similar to the Ukrainian language in Ukraine, which was oppressed. Yeah, oppressed and in an attempt well, to eradicate. I think it was banned three hundred times throughout history. Oh yeah, like, like every, time, every, every time it was part of an empire, it was always banned or restricted heavily, and a lot of the time, I think a lot of people were persecuted for even speaking Ukrainian. Ukrainian, yeah, yeah, yeah. even today though. There's an, now, there's actually another really big similarity. Can any of you guess what it might be? Potato? Yes. Both countries suffered famine, the potato famine in Ireland and the Holodomor in Ukraine. Um, and the potato famine in Ireland was, I wouldn't say it was genocide. That's probably gone too far. Some people classify it as a genocide. It's more because the... Um, but the, yeah, it's the, the time period the Irish... Um, famine happened. Yeah, and the British government did no, did nothing to help the Irish people. In fact, they were still exporting, I believe it was things like corn from Ireland, even though people were dying there and they had no interest in 
doing Save any kind of yeah any kind of subsidies or anything to try and bring food and keep food in Ireland. I think it was Tony Blair in the nineties or early two thousands. He actually had to apologize for the British government's actions during the potato famine. I'm pretty sure that Ireland still hasn't recovered its population. No, it's only like approaching now. Yeah, yeah. Like there's so many years like has passed, and they're only just catching up they're to where their population was pre-famine. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and another similarity is when you look at uh, Northern Ireland and how that section, the culture in that area was largely changed and became more sympathetic towards the British Empire. And you can see things like that happening in Donbass currently, where you have that disputed territory, as people are claiming now, and you have those uh, major differences in culture as a means of reducing Ukrainian influence in that area. So... Yeah, I can see why Ireland has, and they have continually stood up and uh, fought for Ukraine's independence in the international community because they are probably very empathetic to the country and understand exactly what it's like to have a major world power step all over you or try and step all over you. Let's just hope that Donbass and Crimea don't become Northern Ireland. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. So another thing that I guess Ukraine and Ireland have in common, Ireland joined the European Economic Community or the EEC in 1973, which had a rapid and profound impact on the country's development. So it freed it somewhat from an over-dependence on the UK market. And that was sort of a precursor to joining the European Union. And I know that Ukraine has had a lot of problems with trying to join the EU and has been blocked Um Have they actually resolved any of that? Do you know? Okay, so it's written into Ukraine's constitution that EU membership is a goal of the country and Ukraine has signed the deep and uh, comprehensive trade agreement with the EU, which Ukraine sees as a precursor to membership. However, no official application has been launched. However, due to current bickering because of Hungary and other countries, it's being delayed a little bit, but Ukraine con- continuously implements slowly European standards into its laws. So they're progressing there and their aim is to be ready and then apply is like, I think the strategy they're going with at the moment. Yeah. Like I was going to say, uh, the only things that are kind of holding them back is just countries like uh, neighboring countries having like political issues in a sense, but uh it's kind of like put a strain on the relationship between like the EU and um, and Ukraine because of, because of that strain between the country. Yeah, because right? the EU has to work on a consensus basis, and they can't be on a consensus if like one or two countries. Yeah, it's like a whole majority. Yeah, like they can override it in certain cases, but it's pretty hard. But it's on track because I think even the EU says that Ukraine will eventually join. I find it surprising that I didn't like initially think that. Ireland had a lot of similarities between Ukraine. Like it's on the opposite side of Europe. And like the only really similar thing that I can come up with was like I said earlier, like they were part of like a union state and like the terms of they had the United Kingdom and then Ukraine's part of the Russian Empire, then part of the Soviet Union. So that's kind of why I saw like the like the similarities and and that was about it. I didn't realise there was a lot more yeah. into it. Yeah, and one of the other ones they mentioned was how um, Ireland was like Great Britain's first conquest and the, a lot of Irish people formed a large part of the British army 
and that was very similar to um, World when, War Two. Well, no, when the Russian Empire took over um, Ukraine, the Ukrainian Cossacks formed a large part of the Russian Empire's army and assisted them in expanding their empire as well. So it's it's like almost uncanny this the similarities between yeah when you look at it it's kind of freaky yeah yeah it's like two different nationalities and they even though they have almost uh, not almost identical but like super similar sequence of events that's happened in history So I wanted to start this story off with, well, a little bit of a story. Um, so I'll take you guys back a little bit over a decade ago when our Ukrainian Saturday school put on a trip to Ukraine. Um, we had been traveling for ages and we finally got to the hotel where we were staying for the night and they put on like this massive feast for us. It was like, sweet, let's eat, we're starving. And um, I remember looking at the table and they had these like weird tomato things. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I like tomato, but it had like. Was this where like they've been um, pickled? See, that would have been fine for me, but no, this was, I don't know. It, it looked like a mushroom for some reason, but it was a tomato. Oh. It had like little dots on it. No, okay. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. No idea what they might be. I saw a plate and it looked like cheese. And I was like, hey, I love cheese. So I took a slice Turns out it wasn't cheese, it was salo, which is a uncured or a cured pig fat. And it's apparently a very big delicacy in Ukraine. So it's made by curing the rind of a pig in salt, fermenting it in brine or sometimes smoking it. And it can be found in pretty much every household and any Ukrainian will have at least a few proverbs, superstitions or jokes about it. Uh, so for example, Al Jazeera cited this joke in one of their articles. A Russian customs officer asks a Ukrainian man if he's carrying any drugs. Of course, the man says, got three kilos here. The Russian sees a chunk of salted, uncured pork fat. But this is salo, he says. Yes, and I'm so addicted to it, the Ukrainian response. <laughs> <laughs> so it's also been in pop culture a lot. Uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky, back in 2014, he was in a music video um, singing about salo and he was wearing, I think, like, tight leather and high heels. <laughs> okay. As he does. Uh, it also became a meme. That's probably only beaten out by him playing the piano with his other appendage. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it also became a meme. Um, Dolky Cabana, which means slices of hog, um, which was trying to be fashionable and cool like the brand Dolce & Gabbana. High I don't know class. if it worked. You'd have to talk to people in Ukraine about whether they saw Salo and they were like, oh, yes, high fashion, yes. <laughs> I'll uh, wear that. <laughs> I love Salo so much that I have to wear it. The only place I reckon that caught on was that one restaurant in Lviv. Oh, uh, yeah, the Salo restaurant. The Salo restaurant in Lviv. No, but like, didn't Lady Gaga wear um, to the Met Gala like a dress made of... I was literally thinking about that meat dress on the way but here today. But wasn't that more like steaks or was it salo? No, it was like like ham or something. It was it was the red stuff too, but I mean, it's pretty it's the close. same thing. It's meat. Yeah, ish. true. Mm. I actually thought it was like just meant to look like meat, but no, that was actually meat. Like, That's disgusting. I know, right? Do you want to see the museum now? Actually. actually. Is it rotting? I think it's like- Preserved. Yeah. 
beef jerky now. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of museum, you guys were right. So in Neville, there is a Salo-themed restaurant slash museum where they, get this, bring out like heads of famous people made out of Salo. So like Salo <laughs> face sculptures. There's like a massive heart in a box that glows apparently, which is ironic because Salo is like so bad for your heart. <laughs> <laughs> and they have them shaped in like aliens and they have like Salo chocolate. I think we had Van Gogh's ear when we went there. But um, like, you know how you have country festivals in Tamworth here and know, potato festivals somewhere else. How many festivals do you think that there are about Salo in Ukraine? How many annual festivals? I want to say one, but I just noticed. <laughs> right. I'm going to say like 10. That's like way too high. Like 100? Okay, you guys are too optimistic. It's only like two. But oh, so Nathan was the closest. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but like two is more than one. Like you'd think one, surely, but two. I know, right? Are they big or do you not know? Um, I don't know. I guess pretty big. Wait, so where's it held firstly? <laughs> so there's one called the Salo Festival, which is held in Poltava every February. Okay. And then there's also one called With Love to Salo, which is held in Lutsk in September. Oh, God, that's a terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like they're in Poltava region or Poltava? Uh, I don't know. I just said Poltava. That must be Poltava. So, the city then. Okay. Yeah. So, they're like in both like major centers. But like in terms of being big, so the festival in Lutsk claims to hold four world records um, in terms of having like really big things made out of Salo. So, they have a... Um, they have the world's biggest Salo sandwich at 76 <laughs> metres long. Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the world's biggest Salo football, which measures six metres in diameter and weighs 400 kilos. But how many pigs would that take to make? Like- a lot. That's <laughs> oh, good. Right? I, just, I didn't even think about that. Or- <laughs> imagine the guy ordering, like, that much Salo. I was like, hey, man, I need, like, 400 kilos of Salo so I can make it into a giant football. I reckon one day it's like... Hey, we just broke the record for the most coronary heart attacks in (laughs) one event in Ukraine. (laughs) So, salo is a simple and practical food that is nutritious and it doesn't need to be refrigerated. It helped uh, a lot of Ukrainians survive famines and foreign invasions. Um, And it also fed Cossacks and Chumaks or traveling salesmen as they trudged around Ukraine for months on end. And now if you're thinking, gosh, isn't eating raw pig fat like really bad for your health? Fear not, Ukrainians are (laughs) invulnerable to it. (laughs) Well, yeah, actually, you know, you would be wrong according to most bubbers because they say that Salo has all the vitamins that you need to stay healthy. Um, On the other hand, medical science would absolutely agree with you and say it is so bad for your health because it's got, I mean, it's full of artery-clogging cholesterol (laughs) and... You mentioned before you joked about um you know Salo having uh, sorry Ukraine having the record for the most you know cholesterol related deaths. Well, they actually did a study, the World Health Organization, that found that um, 38% of deaths in Ukraine were caused by diet related cardiovascular diseases. Which you know, which makes sense considering if you look at the hearty food that makes up traditional Ukrainian cuisine. So and yeah, and like eating like a full table of food like every day, and a lot of it is not salads. Yeah, it's like all meat, meat. and like carbs. Yeah, but I guess it kind of makes sense, like for the climate. Well, I was gonna say for like Cossacks, like you know, you're going through 
the snow and stuff and you don't know when your next meal is going to come. So And the active lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? So having those meals where, you know, you just eat animal <laughs> pig fat <laughs> works because that might be your only meal for, but you I know, think- one or two days. But now with this like... Like, we live in abundance and people might be like, oh, yeah, I had solo four times this week and that's where the problems come. Yeah, and I, like like you said, like, we live in a world of abundance. I think even like a hundred years ago, how often would you eat meat? Yeah. So, so that was only the, the only bad thing that they were having pretty much. And if you else- got meat, you'd use every part and that's where this comes from. Yeah. Like, you go through any Ukrainian cookbook and it's like, oh, stew of sheep brains and all this stuff because you used everything. Mama always talks about like you pretty much you can use any part of the – because like I don't think they ever chopped anything away anyway. Mm. Use the bones for like broth and stuff. Yeah, to make holodites because yeah. you use it to get the gelatin Like out. nothing was uh, like left to spare. Except for brains. I've never heard Mama talk about brains. Oh, I can get you a book that has brain <laughs> stuff in it. Don't worry. <laughs> but- oh my gosh, speaking of like um, – riding across like Cossacks and stuff on horses. Um, Mama was watching Discovery Channel today um, after dinner and they had like this random segment about um, where hamburgers come from or like the food journey of hamburgers (laughs) and how it started off um, with people, I think it was Genghis Khan or something. He um, He had meat. And all the on the saddle to some yeah yeah the, hum, the saddle the hump yeah, did it as yeah, well yeah. yeah yeah and they'd break they'd break the meat down so like you could pretty okay. much tear it away yeah I heard of this yeah. before yeah. okay because a lot of those like step nomads and stuff like the Huns and the Mongols spent a lot of their time in the saddle like majority yeah. of their days so yeah might as well cook your meat or tenderize it under yeah your and I think but. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ulyana Suprun, Ukraine's former health minister, was I think the la- like the first person to actively campaign for people to cut down the Oops. unhealthy lifestyle of eating a lot of salo. She's like, have it for like special occasions, but don't make it a regular thing to eat. Oh yeah, I had it for my Sunday breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Mama told me that's what Jido used to do if they were out of butter. Because it's smallets. You can like <laughs> yeah. there's the type that you can spread on your bread. Well, how much do you think um like a a daily serving is like how much do you think a person can eat in a day before of, it starts getting unhealthy of salo yeah like do you mean like in terms of days or no no like, no, like in terms like of five grams, grams? like how big uh-huh. like five grams i don't know i was gonna say like half a gram like good lord i was gonna say like half a kilo <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like, I'm, I'm very optimistic here Dibs on on three dying first <laughs> <laughs> so apparently it's 20 grams according to am i the closest no, I think five grams was it. Yeah, yeah, five grams. <laughs> so, according to Ola Schwartz, who's the director of Ukraine's Association of Dietologists, yeah, the safe amount of salad that you can have per day is twenty grams. And um, so, you know how you have that app, um, My Fitness Pal, and it has a calorie counter, like you put in your food, and then it tells you how many calories you had for that meal. Um, so, someone put a serving of salad in there, and apparently, it's like nine hundred calories which is just under half the recommended daily intake for a woman and a little bit less than a man. So you could have like two servings of salo. But yeah, like Alexa, Andre, your family is Ukrainian. How often would you guys eat salo? Rarely, I'd say. In Ukraine, like we Whoa. ate it a bit. Was it I think in like- Ukraine, I think I ate it when I lived there for six months. I think I ate it like four times. And that was whenever I went to Bubba's house. And there was, Oh, no, I went to... Baba's house and my uncles were there and they were like, let's have some. And I was like, okay. <laughs> it's like not something I'd go out of my way to like ask for. Is it like butter or is it just 
So depending which one you get, so the one that I like the most is the one where you can slice it really thinly and then you eat off a bit of garlic and mustard on top. That's really good. Uh-huh. Okay. Sound healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but like you have like one or two of them and you're kind of done. <laughs> like then you go like, I want kumbasar. This week in the news, Dynamo Kyiv has won the 2020 Ukrainian Super Cup, beating traditional rival Shakhtar Donetsk 3-1. Kyiv has now won the cup three times in a row. Ukrainian opposition leader Yulia Tymoshenko has recently been tested positive for COVID-19. Additionally, Ukraine has now closed its borders until September 28th to all foreigners. Ukraine's parliament has announced a new competition to determine what the country's great coat of arms will be. This is the fourth attempt to vote on the design, with the Trezob standing as Ukraine's small coat of arms. If elected, Joe Biden will strengthen US policy towards Ukraine via the provision of lethal aid to Ukraine's armed forces. Let us know which stories you would like to hear by reaching out to us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Join us next week for more UK Life for Abroad content.